Hi, it's Tap Warner. Thanks for tuning in to the For Your Success podcast, an inspirational program about creating the lifestyle and legacy impact you want to have. Your host today is a Christian author, speaker, business coach, and program development expert who will help you design, grow, and delight in doing business as worship, because that is true success. And now, here's my lovely wife, Katie Horner. Welcome in, my friends. I'm excited to have you meet our guest today. Julie Duffy is an author and a coach for writers over at storyaday.org, and she's got some exciting stuff to share with us about how she does her launches in the next part of this special series on launching your course or high-ticket offer. So, Julie, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Katie. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit. uh, We already said you work with writers, you work with authors, and so... When we think of launching, we think of email copy, we think of sales copy, we think of things like that. It Surely it comes easy to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't come easy to anyone. In fact, it's almost harder, I think, when you pride yourself on being a writer because then you, like, yeah, you really want to get it right. But the best thing that I've learned in my journey as a writer is that it doesn't have to be right on the first attempt. In fact, it so rarely is. And it's funny because the work I do with authors is very similar to what we do, you know, as entrepreneurs, just working through that mindset and giving yourself permission to write the imperfect version first and just whatever comes out, comes out. So, yeah, it can be really paralyzing to think about all the things you have to do. It's the same with writing a novel. Like it's a mammoth task and there's all these moving parts and this thing's got to support the next thing, got to support the next thing. And it can be really overwhelming. And that's the point where you just like either freeze or run away. And um, a lot of writers have very sharp pencils, very clear desks and very empty refrigerators. So because we're, you know, (laughs) we're all... (laughs) doing the fight over light thing too. Right, right. And and that's part of your why, right? The why behind what you do. Tell us more about those empty refrigerators and <laughs> the transformation you get for your writers. Yeah. I mean, if you've got the urge to do something and a desire to do something, it's part of you and it's part of being the person you're meant to be. And if we're constantly avoiding it because it's hard, which it is, you know, whatever you're trying to do that's, that's bringing you to a more, a, a better version of yourself, it's always hard. And so we have that fight or flight response and we avoid it. So I, I thought my work with authors, I don't quite know what I thought it was going to be. I was just a writer and I wanted to encourage myself to write more. Uh, but it's turned out to be a lot of reminding people that this is something they love and that they're better when they're doing the thing that they know they're meant to be doing, when they're being honest with themselves, when they're uh, tackling the difficult stuff and just coaching them through those moments of discomfort, which is probably very much like what you do. Yes. Yes, very much. Because, you know, I I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than knowing you have something to give and then like tamping it down and being less than you could be. Reminded me of something that my dad said quite frequently growing up is that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you can do it well. See. Right. And it's that idea of mastery. Like we don't ever start out as masters. We all start out as students and we have to work towards the mastery, which is over and over and over again. I think you were lucky to have a father who said that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was too. So tell us about one of your launches that stands out the most in your mind as like the one you struggled 
through. What was the biggest struggle with that particular launch and how did you how did you overcome it? We're looking for nuggets here that we can take away and and say, oh, if she tried that, I wonder if I could try that as well. It was probably the first one I did when I decided to get serious after I had probably we probably met at an event. And the one after that, when I really realized there was a, a, a way to do this and that I could actually be professional and charge real money and and get really help. And that was the the tough part for me. That was the biggest one. I think one of the best things I did was I surrounded myself with other people who were doing it and people who were much further ahead of me and people who were on the same page as me, people who hadn't done anything yet. And within that community and then also within, you know, my own group of people who I was already helping in a little way. And and when I would talk to people about what I wanted to do and see them get excited. And there was one person in particular who I met, I was talking to her about what I wanted to do. And she was just like, yes, please let me, let me join this. And I was like, but I'm going to raise my prices. And she was like, I don't care. Let me join this. (laughs) And I, I went, okay, that was a huge boost. Having just talking to people as a writer writers tend to be pretty comfortable in our own company i won't say we're all antisocial introverts but we're pretty comfortable by ourselves and it has been a huge revelation to me to realize the importance of community in everything we do from you know business to even writing you know nobody publishes a book alone nobody writes a book alone really so for this and for launching just being reaching out and asking for help was the biggest thing yeah. And, and community seems to be coming up again and again. We just did a recent interview with Aaron Harrington, and I'll put that episode link in the show notes for you guys. But um, Aaron was talking about the importance of community as well. Needing those people to surround you who believe in you, who understand what you're talking about and don't look at you like you got four heads when you're talking through business numbers or something like that, right? And it's so important both to, like you said, to have the people that are further ahead as well as those that are coming along, because we're meant to be a channel. One of my clients, it cracks me up every time she says it, but she says, we're meant to be the Red Sea, not the Dead Sea, right? We're meant to, we're meant to have this, it flow in and flow out, not just keep accumulating and receiving, but also to be receiving and to be giving. And in community, you have that opportunity and it grows you on both sides, right? So, so important. And I think it's a sometimes a hard lesson for people who are striving to be really good at what they do to allow yourself the humility to say, it's okay to ask for help. You know, it's okay to say, I don't really know what I'm doing in this aspect of this thing that I'm doing. And I bet somebody, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. It's such a relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just reading a book recently talking about how in schools so often we're taught that we need to we need to get the A in every subject level. We need to get 100%. We got to be at the top of our class in every area. But in real life, that's not the way it is. In real life, you embrace the thing you're good at and you hire out or get help with the other things that you're not good oh, at. And it's such I a think difficult it's so important to, to you know, to to be to be teaching our kids, our communities, our students, our clients, everyone like it's okay to not be good at something. And in community, you can find the person who is and you can help each other. Yeah, I mean, you look at anyone who excels in their field, they're probably not that well-rounded a person. You know, like they're probably not good at the thing you do. Thinking about who was the, the, the swimmer guy who won all those medals, right? Michael Phelps. Is it? And, you, you know, I don't think that he 
is going to be writing any stories or, or you know, it, he had a rough transition when he stopped being extremely focused on the one thing that he was good at because that was like Olympic level. Right. We don't have to go that far. But if you want to, if you want to be good at something, some things have to, you have to say no to some other things. Yeah. What are some of the things you feel like you're really good at in launching? Ooh, that's, that's an uncomfortable question for someone who was brought up in Britain. What are you good at? <laughs> <laughs> However, I have lived in America for a while, so let me, ch- let me channel that. Um, <laughs> I think what surprised me is I'm good at putting people at their ease. I'm good at creating community and bringing together nice people, you know, supportive people. I think setting that tone and saying, this is what you're coming into. So although it was very weird for me as a writer to be doing video at first, I discovered that by doing video and by doing appearances, you know, like this or calls directly with people or group coaching calls, people could see, they could see themselves in this group and they could see themselves in me and it made them much more comfortable and it seems to attract the right kind of people to my group. So I think putting putting together a cool group and setting an example of we're here to be supportive of each other and, you know, just sort of gently setting the example that there's, there's no room for meanness in my group. Honesty, sure. Meanness, not so much. So um, I think that works. And I think my personality comes through in my, in my writing and in my in my videos and stuff. So I think that's... That's the thing that people want. I, I, I sometimes read people's copy when they're asking for help with launches and it's very clinical. And again, I think this goes back to education as well. We're taught to strip out all the personality from everything we do to fit into the mold of traditional schooling. And I don't think it serves us yeah. ever, you know, we're, especially not in the real world. We're taught to be transactional. And I think people these days want to work with a person, not a company. Yeah, we were. We all thought we had to be very polished and professional. And no, I think they want to work with people they like, and they. It's okay for your um, fifth grade English teacher to go and rest in your memory now. You know, you, you're, it doesn't really matter if your grammar's perfect. If you spell a word wrong, I do stuff like that, and I always prided myself. You know, I've sent out emails with typos in them, and you know, sometimes someone will call me up on it, and I just send an email back going, "Oh, yeah, great, thanks." You know, the more human you are, I think, uh, the better. I love that. Be human to help humans, right? Yeah. And admit when you make mistakes, I think that's something I'm pretty good at now. I think I, I had to learn that. I don't think I was good at it when I was a kid, but now I'm, I'm very quick to admit if I make a mistake and, you know, joke about it or ask for help or apologize um, and ask for help fixing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just honesty and and being being human to help humans. I love that. I may steal that. (laughs) (laughs) So how long do you ramp up to your next launch? Like I know a little bit about your background so that that may be where this question is coming from, but I know most of us launch bigger things a few times a year. What does the sort of the runway or the the ramp up to your launches, what what does that look like for you in terms of what you're doing, how far in advance? I'm getting better. I'm very much the kind of person who sort of like leaps and builds the parachute on the way down. So it used to be very sketchy and very last minute, but I'm realizing that the energy I get from the chaos is not necessarily good energy. (laughs) And it doesn't mean that I, it's not a long-term solution. So I'm getting better. 
I'm, you know, following the plan these days. I, I, I send out my shot across the bow. I mean, I've got a, I've got a challenge that's a fixture on the writing community in May. So people know that's coming, but there are other things that I launch and people don't necessarily know that along with the challenge, I'm going to be opening up my membership. And, um, there's a, a course, six week course that I open up two or three times a year. And it, that's, so for those things in particular, I follow the plan. You know, I, I get the shot across the bow out. Probably about a month in advance, I have my emails queued up before open cart, which is usually a week long because I feel like my people need a little longer to get used to the idea of. And some people can do like a three day open cart. My people, it's not a, a field where people are used to spending money like this, you know, like mm-hmm. it, they need a minute to get comfortable with it. So um, I have my cart open for about a week. So I'll usually do an email every other day for the week before that. Um, and now that I'm using, I've kind of got into a groove. So for the past two or three launches, I've I've taken the the emails from the launch before and just tweaked them a little. So I'm not constantly reinventing, which is lovely. Because um, even you know, for a writer, I do love to write, but like that creative process of of yeah. putting all that emotion and getting everything in the right place is exhausting. So it's kind of nice to have the, the base message and flow. And then I just get to tweak the intros or, you know, and, and I'll, I'll see how it's going. And I'll, when I do my, um, if I resend to people who haven't opened the emails, I'll kind of judge the mood of the week and I might change that intro paragraph on the day. So a lot of it's in place now ahead of time. And how many launches have you done to get there? Well, <laughs> I launched an email course back in 2011 when I first, first discovered this world, did that twice and then nothing really seriously again until about uh, 2018. Then I did my membership launch has been twice a year since then. My course I've launched four times, I think. And I launched a three-day challenge, which is a paid product, which I gave a big splashy launch. And then I sort of quickly put on the evergreen on the end of my welcome sequence. So I launched a lot. And in the last three years, I've launched a lot. <laughs> Not as much as you, but I have launched a lot. That's like 16 times. And I want our listeners to pick up on this, right? We're not talking about someone who's done this once. Like if you're going to be a master at something, it takes doing it again. This is how she has the email copy to be able to go back and retool and tweak for the next time. It's because she wrote it and then she tweaked it and then she tweaked it. Now she's tweaking it again, right? And so I, I think that's super important. Oh, to be honest, I wrote it and then I rewrote it the next year. I didn't keep track of anything that I'd sent out. I couldn't find the copy. I would say, please keep track of everything. Just name things carefully or after the launch, take some time to gather all your supplies and, and all the data all somewhere yeah. so that you can find it again. You're not going to want to think about it after the launch, but like, just scoop it all up and put it in a folder somewhere that makes sense so that next time you don't have to do what I did, which was rewrite it all from scratch and like discover the story. What's this year's story? It doesn't need to be a different story every year. So this spring when I launched was probably my calmest launch ever, but it was what I had had two years of intensively launching, including launching this product four times before that. So yeah, it's okay if it doesn't go perfectly the first time. I love that. It's okay if it doesn't go perfectly. And keep launching. Keep doing it. You learn it. so much. You learn so much by actually doing it. I mean, it's it's hard to do the first one because you think it's got to be perfect or it's just nerve wracking and there's so much and you don't know what you're doing. And then, you know, as you're doing it, you're like, oh, okay, well, that was interesting. And oh, that was, oh now I understand what they mean when they say... <laughs> 
tell this part of the story. Like you don't really understand it until you're doing it. In fact, I say this to people about writing stories as well. A lot of people in the writing world are fine with starting stories, but they don't finish them. My whole challenge is about write to finish a story every day because there's such power in finishing something. You don't really know what a thing is until you've got to the end of it. And it's as true with a launch as it is with a story. It's when you get to the end and when you're like two weeks out after the launch and you've got people in your group and you're like, now I can see the whole story. I understand the whole journey. I see what I was doing. And and you're never going to get that unless you actually do the thing and see it through. And it's at some point you're going to not want to. And you're going to reach out to your community and you're going to say, I open cart tomorrow and I don't want to. And they're going to say, do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Have you ever cried during a launch, Katie? Uh, when have I not cried during a launch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell my mastermind clients, I think I quit about once, once a month, sometimes more frequently. And then I have a good cry and sleep it off and come back and start again tomorrow. Right. You just. And then someone sends you a lovely email out of nowhere saying how much, you know, what you do means to them and how much, you know, how much better their life is and how their kids, you know, are so happy to see them, whatever, doing what, you know, and it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally is. Thank you so much for being here. Any parting advice for our listeners and their next launch? I think, I mean, the mindset stuff is, is key. Don't forget about the part that comes after the launch. Like the moment that your customer hits the buy button is the moment when they are most freaked out. And if you can step in and make them feel super comfortable, do it. Like you think if you're in Katie's world, you know, you're used to people sending out swag packets and saying thank you and being nice because that's the people who are around you. But not everyone does that. I mean, how many businesses do you interact with where they actually contact you and say thank you for your business? Sincerely. So send them a little video message. I've started doing that, sending little video messages to people just saying, hey, is all you joined? Great. If you have any questions, let me know. People, even people who've known me for years, love it because it makes them feel so special and it takes 40 seconds. So don't forget to make your customer feel happy, surprise them. You know, I send postcards occasionally out of nowhere and just make people feel special because they are. And your content's going to be good because, you know, your content's, you're going to work hard to make your content good. But if you can make them love you and make them comfortable, it gives you a little more wiggle room. You know, you don't have to be world class. You just have to be their person. And if it's, it gives you a little more room to make mistakes, I think, if you can do those little human things to make people feel comfortable. So you're going to be tired and it's, it's hard to find the energy to do that. So I tend to write the postcards beforehand. In fact, oh, I had one sitting here, but there's a postcard. I'll just write the message on the postcards before I even get near to open cart saying, thanks for joining looking forward to spending the year with you. And I leave a space for their name at the top. I don't know whose name's going to go on it. And then as the orders come in, I can write the name on it and I can stick it in an envelope with a little sticker and a pin and, you know, and then send them all out. So it's just doing things that make it easy for yourself to be your best self, you know, to make people feel as special as you want them to feel. And you'd be surprised how few people actually do that. That's an amazing tip. Save some energy for that or plan ahead. Yeah, you know, I really love that. We we have a whole module in our Successful Online Courses program about the experience, right? And about making your people feel loved. Because as a teacher, I know you're not going to learn if you don't feel safe and loved. 
right? And there's something Mm -hmm. psychological that just won't allow that learning to happen. So the experience is just as important as whatever it is that you're teaching them. And I love that. And then, you know, they're going to feel so good about you. They're going to recommend you to people. And and it's, you know, it's it's just, it's a circle of, circle of awesome, circle Circle of love. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being here. Storyaday.org. Guys, if you want to connect with Julie, and um, we'll have all of those links in the show notes as well. Thank you again for being with us. Thanks, and thanks for everything you do. So I'm Katie Horner of HandprintLegacy.com, obsessed with helping faith-based entrepreneurs design, grow, and delight in the business that affords you the lifestyle and legacy impact you want to have. It's been my honor today to host you on the For Your Success podcast, and I do hope you'll scroll down wherever you're hearing this and leave me a comment or review. You can get all of today's links and show notes over at foryoursuccesspodcast.com. And until next time, remember, my friend, your message matters. You've been so caught up in figuring out how to market your business the quote right way, you found yourself overwhelmed and your dream a little muddied. What if a simple mindset reset could help you realign your vision, refine your expectations, and revive that dream for your business? I'm Katie Horner, author of The Flamingo Advantage, and for two decades, I've been teaching business owners just like you how to make your business and marketing decisions with faith, with clarity, and with purpose, empowering God's people to live out their best worship through the business. My framework teaches how to realign your mindset and your business practices with God's Word so that you no longer operate in fear or lack of criticism, but in confidence and powerful intention. I'd love to invite you to grab a free copy of my book, Just Pay Shipping, at freeflamingobook.com. You, my friend, have an advantage, and your uniqueness helps you live out God's purpose for you in the world. freeflamingobook.com.